The Productive Woman, Episode 246. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be exploring why we do what we do and why it matters to think about it. You'll find more information and links to references I mention in this episode all in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 246. This episode is brought to you by Gusto. If you have a business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats, and some of those hats are totally great. But some, like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, yeah, they're not so great. But that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. They offer fast, simple payroll processing benefits and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the way modern small businesses work, but Gusto is. So let them wear one of your many hats because you have better things to do. And Productive Woman listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll through Gusto. So try a demo and see for yourself. Just visit gusto.com slash TPW. That's gusto, G-U-S-T-O, gusto.com slash TPW. I've been thinking a lot about motivation and and why we do the things we do. And this all came up, um, I guess, has come to the forefront of my mind recently, because I so often hear people talking about being frustrated, because they or someone they know, do things that don't seem to make sense in light of their goals or values, or they're not taking action on goals that they say they really want to accomplish and sincerely do. And I've experienced that myself. There are certain things that I really want to do. Don't take the action to make it happen. And it's frustrating. And it's got me thinking, as I said, a lot about why we do the things we do, whether positive or negative. And I thought I'd do a little research into it and share with you some of what I found. I mean, Starting with the idea that much of what we do is habitual. Habits are things, they're they're actions we take without a conscious decision, but they started with a choice and became habits because of the reward we got for making that choice. Uh, Charles Duhigg, for instance, in his book, The Power of Habit, describes habits as the choices that all of us deliberately make at some point and then stop thinking about, but continue doing. And in that book and in his other writings, Duhigg talks about the habit loop, which he describes as the cue, the routine, and the reward. The cue being the thing that sort of triggers you to do something, the routine being the thing you do, and the reward is the payoff we get for it. 
James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, adds a fourth element or or actually breaks routine, that middle piece that Duhigg talks about, into two parts. Clear breaks it into the parts of craving and response. And he says in his book, as a habit is developed, the cue, whatever that cue might be, triggers a craving for the reward. And that craving leads to us taking an action in response to it. We do something to get that reward because we crave it. None of this necessarily happens consciously. It's just how it works. This is what, you know, science has studied. Um, People have studied how habits are developed and how they work in our life. And we've talked about habits before, especially the part about doing things without conscious thought. So for instance, in episode 147, as part of our productive reading series, we talked about Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit. And I would commend you to that episode and the book itself. Similarly, in episode 230, also part of the productive reading series, we looked at James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. These are both excellent books. If you haven't read them, I encourage you to check them out. So much good material there. And as I said, we've summarized it in in those two episodes, but the books themselves are awesome. So check them out. There have been other episodes we've talked about habits. Episode 114 in our Mindset Matters mini series, we talked about productive habits. And in episode 179, we talked about motivation and habit and kind of what the differences are. So I'll have links to those in the show notes for this episode and a list of other episodes where we've talked about habit, if you want to check those out. Most of the time in the past episodes, when we've talked about habits, we've talked about that piece. And and, and I want to go back here to uh, say again, what Duhigg how he defined habits, the choices that all of us deliberately make at some point, and then stop thinking about but continue doing. And most of our discussions about habits in the past are that second piece, the part about doing things without conscious thought. This time in this episode, I want to talk about because I got curious about the first part, the choices that we deliberately make that can become habits, and why we make those choices in the first place. We do things obviously for lots of reasons. And when I'm talking about doing things, keep in mind that not doing a thing is doing something. And we do that, whether we take action or don't take action for lots of different reasons, uh, for our survival, for the benefit of others, for our own benefit. But often we're not actually conscious of the reason why we're doing or not doing the thing. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit here. What motivates us to take action or not take action? Why do we do what we do? And there are a lot of reasons, as I've said, but for me, a big piece of it boils down to feelings or emotions. When I'm using the word feelings, uh, I, I mean the emotions that we feel. And whether or not we're conscious of it, pretty much everything we do is motivated by a feeling. Every action we take or refrain from taking is motivated by a feeling, an emotion, what we're feeling in that moment, or how we think we'll feel when we do the thing. So say we, we, we want to feel satisfied or proud or 
you know, whatever, usually we don't actually identify the specific feeling. We're not thinking about it in those terms, but there's just something in us that wants to feel better in some small or large way than we do right now. And that's why we take an action. This, I think, is an application of James Clear's description of how habits work. A cue occurs, some event or situation, something happens, and it triggers a craving. And that craving is the feeling that leads to an action. And Clear in the book says, every craving is linked to a desire to change your internal state. The thoughts, feelings, and emotions of the person who's experiencing that cue are what transform a cue into a craving. And then we go on to take an action in an effort to satisfy the craving and gain that reward. As I've said, and I'm sure you you would recognize this, most of us are not truly aware of our feelings at any given moment, unless they're very extreme. And we're certainly not aware of how they are driving our action. As modern human beings, a lot of us are not very good at just feeling our feelings, experiencing them and identifying them. We're more likely to try to stifle them. And that goes back to what we were saying a minute ago about uh, taking action to satisfy, to change our internal state, the way we are feeling. Um, This is what Brooke Castillo, uh, the life coach and master life coach who who hosts the, the Life Coach School podcast, she calls this buffering, doing things to sort of put a space between us and whatever it is we're feeling. And we're more likely to do that or try to redirect our feelings than actually experience them. For example, if we're worrying or anxious about something or sad or, or bored or whatever, um, we may, instead of just saying, oh, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling worried, we may just eat or shop or watch TV without really taking the time to recognize or think about why we're doing those things. It's just there's something in us that wants to change how we're feeling. And so we take some action to buffer that feeling instead of sitting with it and and sort of just feeling it. Another example of how we deal with the feelings that we have, we if we're feeling ashamed or embarrassed or maybe helpless, that may be translated into anger. So we yell at someone or vent our anger in some other way instead of sort of sitting with the shame or the embarrassment or the helplessness and just experiencing it. The the point is a thing has happened and we have a thought about that, what that thing means. And our thought creates that emotion or feeling that we have to do something with. It's so important knowing that much of what we do, most of the actions we take are taken in order to address a feeling, to change how we're feeling. We've got to learn 
that skill of consciously recognizing and feeling our feelings and choosing on purpose what to do in response to them instead of just reacting to the feelings we're having at the time. One article I read from Psychology Today, I thought this was really good what they had to say about it. Unless we develop some kind of practice of conscious engagement with our feelings, most of us experience them and respond to them as internal demands for action or avoidance of action, whether or not it's what we want. The article goes on to say fear, shame, or guilt may lead us to avoidance, while anger or excitement leads us to move towards an action. Unless we do that on purpose, we develop, as the article said, some kind of practice of conscious engagement with our feelings. They occur and we react to them. And so there is a process that we can go through to develop that skill of purposely and consciously recognizing our feelings, feeling them instead of buffering them, and then making a purposeful choice about what to do in response to them. And the steps, uh, Brooke Castillo in her podcast talks about this a lot, but briefly, the steps kind of are, first of all, to identify the feeling, give it a name, one word. This is fear. I'm feeling loneliness. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling excitement. I'm feeling joy. Whatever it may be, give it a name identify it. And the second step is to just sit with it for a while. Don't judge it as good or bad. Just be there with it. This has been hard for me. This is something I continue to work on, recognizing that a feeling, even an unpleasant feeling, isn't something to be afraid of. We tend to think that negative feelings or what we've labeled as negative feelings like fear or shame or those sorts of things are a sign that something's wrong, but that's not true. We have this idea as a culture, I think, that the goal is to be happy all the time. And I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure it's possible. The, the, what we've called negative feelings, I think, are a necessary contrast that makes positive feelings meaningful. You know, light has no value without darkness. Joy has no significance if we've never experienced sorrow. It is that contrast. It is the, the, the darkness that makes the light so precious and so meaningful. I came across a quote that, uh, that Carl Jung said, even a happy life cannot be without a measure of darkness. And the word happy would lose its meaning if it were not balanced by sadness. It is far better to take things as they come along with patience and equanimity. And I think that's important to keep in mind as part of our understanding that the actions we take are driven by the feelings we're having or trying to avoid or trying to gain. We need to be able to identify what we're feeling, be okay with feeling it, experiencing it, knowing that sadness is not going to kill us. Um, anger is not, does not necessarily need an action to react to it, but to be able to identify what we're feeling 
sit with it, be okay with it, and understand that the negative feelings are what give meaning to the positive ones in our life. And then the next step is to identify the thoughts that are creating that feeling, whatever emotion we're feeling in any given moment. And why does this matter? Because again, our our feelings consciously or unconsciously drive the actions we take. And so knowing that our feelings come from the thoughts that we're having, once we've identified the feeling, then we need to identify the thought we're having that created that feeling. So if you're feeling proud in this moment, what thought is it? Maybe maybe the thought you're having is this thing I did reflects well on me as a person, you know, whatever the thought might be. If you're feeling impatient or angry, maybe the thought that's creating that feeling is that person should not have done that thing, whatever it is. But identifying what the thought is, not passing judgment on it, just like we're not passing judgment on the emotion or the feeling, but identifying the thought and just seeing it for what it is. And then the next step, now that we've identified all this, make a choice on purpose, whether to keep feeling that feeling and, you know, keep thinking that thought and thus feeling the feeling that it creates, or whether we want to choose another feeling and figure out what thoughts will help create it. We're going to get into some of that here in a little bit, why we might do that, how we can do that. So a lot of what we do, some would say, and I I think I would say that everything we do is because of a feeling that we're having or feeling that we want to have. But there's another theory that our basic human needs are what drive our actions because they are behind the feelings we have. Um, Another Psychology Today article, the, the writer said, everything any of us ever does is an attempt to meet core human needs. Another writer said, feelings serve a signal function. So whatever feelings we're having, the article says they arise from the constant stream of data about what is happening and our ceaseless evaluation under the radar of our awareness as to whether or not our needs are being met. Listening to our feelings carefully allows us to trace them to the underlying needs that give rise to them. So our feelings drive our actions, but even deeper behind that, those feelings come out of a need we have as human beings. And I want to talk about that because I thought this was fascinating. This kind of took it to a next, a deeper level for me than even some of the things I've learned uh, about feelings and thoughts and all of that sort of thing. So what are those basic human needs that are behind the feelings we have, the emotions we have that are driving our actions? One source I looked at uh, was from a 2006 TED Talk by Tony Robbins um, that kind of went viral, I guess. Um, This is obviously quite some time ago, where he identifies six universal human needs. And those he said are certainty, significance, variety, love slash connection, growth, and contribution. I thought that, you know, those that everything we need human needs, emotional kinds of needs can be wrapped up in that. Of course, 
a lot of us are aware of the famous a- Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And there's a graphic uh, found in uh, on a psychology site that uh, I think I'll, I will try to share in the the show notes for this episode that lays out the hierarchy of needs and it's a pyramid shape. And at the base of it, the broadest set of needs are physiological needs. Those basic needs we, we have as human beings for food, water, warmth, and rest. And the next step above that is the safety needs security and safety. And so those two categories form the base of the pyramid. And those are are what Maslow defined as the basic needs of human beings. Above that is two layers of psychological needs. The first one being belongingness and love, things like intimate relationships and friends. And the next one being esteem needs. We as human beings psychologically need prestige and a feeling of accomplishment. And then finally, at the top of Maslow's pyramid is what he identifies as self-fulfillment needs or self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, and that includes creative activities. And the idea of Maslow's hierarchy is that you can't pay any attention, really. You can't get to the higher level ones in the pyramid if the the basic needs have not been met. So if we don't have food, water, warmth, and rest, we we don't care about anything else. We're not going to be able, if all our energy is devoted to meeting those basic physiological needs, there's nothing left to pursue satisfaction of any of the other needs. But if those are met, then we look for security and safety. And then if those are met, we move on to the psychological needs to satisfying those, the the belongingness and love and the esteem needs. And if all that is met, then we can actually move toward achieving that self-fulfillment level of needs or or what he called self-actualization. Those needs are the basic human needs that a lot of psychologists talk about as describing how we as a race, as a species, live, how we are built, so to speak, that there's this hierarchy of needs and you can't get to the upper ones until the lower ones are satisfied. And those things do certainly affect our behavior. They're a big part of why we do what we do, which is what we're talking about on this episode. They totally drive what we do on every level of our life. Um, I love how when you look at this and the the pyramid, or you look at the, the six universal human needs that Robbins talked about, uh, you look at that, that and you see connection is key. Once we've satisfied those basic physiological and safety needs, the next thing that's most important for us that has to be satisfied for us to achieve self-fulfillment is connection with other people. Brene Brown says we're wired for it. And you see where it's located in Maslow's hierarchy, assuming that our physiological and safety needs are met, that, that is that our survival is assured, the next thing we look for is connection with others. And so 
the the altruistic actions, the things that we do for others, I, I believe are done to serve that need for connection. So when we're taking action for the benefit of other people, whether consciously or not, we are trying to meet our psychological need for belongingness, for connection with other human beings. And so as we've said, if our basic needs and our connection needs are met, then we move to the needs that the pyramid identifies as higher significance and meaning. As humans, we have this need to make a difference. We're driven by it. We talk about it on this show in the idea of making a life that matters. It's important for us that our life matters. We think about it. We want significance. We want meaning in what we do. Now it's hard to get there to making a life that matters if our basic physiological and safety needs are not met. But assuming those things are there, we what's driving us often, what creates the emotions that drive our actions are these this effort to meet those needs of connection, a a feeling of accomplishment and achieving our potential, making a difference. One of the things that I thought about as I was putting this episode together, and just I've been thinking about it anyway, is the fact that sometimes we act against our own self-interest. You know, some people think we're always going to be acting in our own self-interest, but I just don't think it's true. We, we act against our interests a lot. We may sabotage ourselves. We sabotage our health. We sabotage our success. We sabotage our relationships by the actions we take or don't take. So, you know, sabotaging our health, you know, those down there in that basic needs level in Maslow's hierarchy by eating things that are unhealthy for us or, ingesting substances that are damaging to our bodies. We sabotage our success sometimes by not taking the action to achieve certain business type goals. We sabotage our relationships by the actions we take toward the people that we care about. Even though we have this need to connect, we we will do things that sabotage that connection. And my question is why? Why do we do those things that are against our interests, that undermine our ability to meet those needs that we've talked about? And I think it's true that when we act against our own best interests, when we do things that bring results we don't want, there is a reason. We are getting some benefit from it. And the first step to changing our actions and thus our results is understanding why we're doing it. What are we getting out of this thing we're doing um, that goes against what we say we want? And an example I, you know, that I thought about is we procrastinate on taking an action that would move us toward an important goal. Why do we do that? What are we getting out of it? Maybe our procrastination is our sort of lizard brain's way of protecting us from the risk of taking that action, the fear of failure, uh, which, you know, our amygdala sees as the same thing as a saber-toothed tiger coming after us. It's unfamiliar, it's risky, and so something in us subconsciously is protecting us from that risk by causing us to procrastinate. And so the benefit we're getting there is a sort of safety, I guess. Now, it's a false safety, and it's not serving us in the long run. 
but that's what we're getting out of doing it. Fear of change, whether conscious or not, can cause us to take action that is against our interest, to avoid taking action that would get us the results we want. Our brain favors the familiar and resists change, even positive change, as a risk. And that's, you know, Stephen Pressfield's book about resistance, the, the War of Art, where he talks about that resistance. Our brain wants the familiar because it's safe. It's a survival mechanism. Our brain uh, favors short-term pleasure over long-term gain because the brain is wired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. In, in the past, in a different time and era, our survival as a species depended on avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. It's not so much the case anymore, but it's, that wiring is still in there. And so understanding that, recognizing that when we are taking actions that are maybe contrary to what we say we want and what consciously, when we're consciously thinking about it, we legitimately and, and sincerely do want, uh, when we're doing that, that's a time to take a step back and really think about why am I doing this thing or, or not doing if in the case of procrastination, what am I getting out of it? What benefit does my um, subconscious get from taking this action or, or, you know, procrastinating on an action? And how can I use my thinking brain, my prefrontal cortex to overcome that fear of change or that, you know, whatever it is that's driving the, this behavior that is not getting me the results I want. At the end of the day, it's, I guess, why we do what we do is a complicated question. And it's an important one to answer, but it's not an easy one to answer. I mean, the, the surface answer is easy. We do what we do because of feelings, because of emotions, which are born out of those human needs that we have. And whatever our emotion is, it drives an action that creates results in our life. And if we don't like the results, then we've got to work our way back through those steps to what what action am I taking that is getting me this result I don't want? What emotion is driving that action? What need needs to be, do I need to satisfy to deal with that emotion? And what thoughts am I thinking that are driving that? It's a, it's a process. As I've said before, Brooke Castillo's The Life Coach School podcast is a great source, a great resource for helping work through that process and, and being more intentional about it. I guess my point in doing this episode is just to bring it to the surface for us to think about. If we are not getting the results in our life that we want, what do we need to change? We need to change our own actions. How do we do that? And be more conscious and aware of why we're doing what we're doing and how we can change that to get the results that we want. Why does this all matter? Well, understanding what motivates us to act or refrain from taking action is key to intentionally taking action that serves us. 
Um, that's the bottom line. One article I read, this person said, self-improving minds perpetually search for answers to the questions of why we do what we do, as well as who we do it for. The, this writer says, the greater understanding we have for the why and what, the more likely we are to find peace and balance in our lives. This is from 10 Reasons, a guide to for why we do what we do that was published on Medium. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. It's a, a good article to read. One person has said, decisions are destiny. This is something, again, from Robbins's TED Talk. He says, in any given moment, there are three key decisions that we have to make. The first one is what to focus on, okay? What, whatever the circumstance is that we want to pay attention to. The second one is what it means. And we get to decide what it means to us. That's the thought we have that creates the emotion. So the, what to focus on, what it means, and third, what to do, because that emotion will result in an action. And we can decide, we get to decide. And, and as, as this person has said, decisions are destiny. James Clear in his book says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. This is in Atomic Habits. And I love that. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Because whether conscious or not, our beliefs about who we are as a person drive our actions. And if we want to, we can make a conscious choice about the type of person we want to be, identify what actions that type of person would take, and then take those actions on purpose. And then why we're doing what we do is because of the kind of person we want to become. Uh, and so understanding what motivates us is key to that. That all starts with awareness. The other reason this matters is understanding why we as human beings do the things we do is also key to understanding other people. If we can learn to become curious about why other people do what they do, especially the people who bug us, we can learn to be more compassionate. And I think this is so necessary in our modern culture of character assassination and anger and, and an inability to understand or even listen to people who differ from us. Just as our actions, which are motivated by our feelings, which are created by the thoughts we think, just as our actions can, if consciously chosen, make us into the kind of people we want to be, I believe that taking conscious, compassionate actions toward each other can help create the kind of world we want to live in. And that's why this matters. Why it matters to think about why we do what we do and to be more conscious and intentional about it. Um, I read something recently that my friend Mike Vardy, who's host of the Productivityist podcast, said recently on Instagram, and I thought this was so good. He said, it isn't enough to just show up every day and be consistent in your actions. You need to be patient as well. And I think he was talking about, you know, that things take time to come to fruition. He goes on to say, time moves on whether we want it to or not. There's no puzzle to solve there. What we do with it, that's the part we need to solve. 
and I love that. And thanks to Mike for sharing that on Instagram recently. I just, it, it was so thought provoking. What we do with our time is the puzzle we need to solve. And it can start with becoming aware, not only of our actions, but what's motivating the actions we take. Because productivity, I think, is about the results in our life. If the way we think creates emotions or feelings that lead to actions that create the results we want, then we're living the ultimate productive life. And so being aware of those things, of those feelings and emotions and thoughts that are driving our actions can help us to choose our actions intentionally to get the results we want and be productive. So those are my thoughts on this, but I wonder what you think. Have you ever wondered why you do the things you do or why the people in your life do the things they do? Uh, have have you thought about any of the things that I talked about here? Uh, or do you agree or disagree with any of these ideas? I would love to hear from you on this because this is, uh, for me, part of an ongoing explanation or exploration of the results in my life and where I want to go in the years to come. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can share your questions, your thoughts, your ideas in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 246. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's also a great place for us to talk about this. If you want to share your thoughts about this topic with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. Speaking of hearing from people, I do want to say, give a shout out to someone who recently left a really kind review of the Productive Woman podcast in Apple Podcasts. Jana from Norway said, Laura McClellan is a non-judgmental, smart, and down-to-earth podcast host. Thank you, Laura, for your choice of varied topics and your humble yet wise approach to issues many women share as mothers and or as professionals. Keep up the great work. Well, Jana, thank you. I'm honored to know that somebody from Norway is listening and uh, so grateful to hear that you're finding it worthwhile. I, I love hearing from listeners who will tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, whatever. So do reach out to me uh, because I do love hearing from you. Before we go, just a quick reminder that our sponsor Gusto is offering modern, easy payroll benefits and HR support to small businesses across the United States. They were even named Best Online Payroll Provider by PC Magazine. And as a listener of this podcast, you can get three months of Gusto services free when you run your first payroll with them. So sign up, give it a try at gusto.com slash TPW. That's Gusto. G-U-S-T-O, gusto.com slash T-P-W. And thank you so much to Gusto for supporting The Productive Woman and helping me bring this content to you. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman Podcast. As always, I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you found something in it that's helpful to you, that sparks some thought or some ideas. I'd love to hear from you about it. Uh, I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So, Until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself. 
and go make your life matter. 